Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers Stay Clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. Save big money at Menards. Welcome back, everyone, to the FIFA America podcast. Finally have some of us back. We're going through three different time zones, so stick with us. But today, we're going to be talking about the U.S. men's national team that has finally qualified for the 2022 World Cup and break down their group, where they have to go from England, Iran, and the European winner. We'll talk about Sack Stefan's shocking performance in the FA Cup semifinal. MLS season is back in swing now, and Philadelphia Union are the last unbeaten team. So we'll talk about them on the field and off to see if they're the best team in MLS. Haji Wright has broken the number nine conversation right back open for the U.S. national team. And we'll cap off the episode talking about the Seattle Sounders and their chances in the CONCACAF Champions League final. But before we do, we have to check in with our co-hosts, Manny and Tom. Manny, let's start with you. How are you doing, man? I'm feeling okay, guys. I'm, I'm just uh, overwhelmed, but we'll get it together. It's good to see you guys. It's good to see Tom. It's good to see Jake. And, uh, you know, I don't know where's Ryan, where Ryan is right now, but, you know, I hope he's, he's doing okay and, and, and safe and whatnot. So, yeah. We miss you too, Manny. Is, is this a good plug for uh, Pay Our Teachers More? <laughs> uh, or what do you have to say on the... Uh, that, that that's a that's a podcast of a different ilk if you, if you want me to go into <laughs> the difficulties with that but yeah let, let's go with that let's, all right let's go with we'll, that, so. we'll stick with soccer today but that's yeah. the message that everyone can take away tom how about how about you i'm doing pretty good um the last six weeks has been crazy which is why we haven't had a chat very much but i'm glad to finally you know i've put in my graduation paperwork my thesis is defended i've got my last night on mauna Kea tonight so i'm preparing for that and i've made a decision on where i'm headed to graduate school next year so i'm feeling very free and easy and i'm really glad to be back talking with you guys after so long of just having to buckle down and get through crunch time let's just get that out of the way now we're we're gonna do decision day on the podcast a little drum roll. I, I think he already made his decision. Yeah, yeah I think I'm, I'm the decision is pretty clear. I have decided that I'm moving away from New Mexico. I'm headed back east to Pennsylvania. I'm going to Penn State for the fall. I'll be spending the next five or six years uh, pursuing my PhD at Penn State. And I'm very excited about the classic program. I'm honored to have gotten in because it's really ambitious that I even applied. And so I'm excited to take that up next fall. Congrats on the decision, Tom. That's awesome. Thanks. All right, let's start with the U.S. has qualified for the World Cup. We've been drawn into a group with England, Iran, and the European playoff winner, which will either be Scotland, Wales, or Ukraine. Guys, we're a few months out, but how are you feeling about the draw? Tom, what were you feeling when when the draw happened and you saw the teams drawn into Group C? Our sponsor today is Bet Online. They continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. Find all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, 
the fights, even next season's fixtures. And don't forget that Major League Baseball is back as well. Who are you picking to win the World Series this year? Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. It's a mixture of, it, it's sort of a hesitant excitement, almost. You know, it's definitely not the easiest group. And in fact, by ELO, it's almost a group of death, just looking at the strength of specifically Wales. If Scotland or Ukraine manages to get through, then it sort of changes the complexion of the group. But if Wales gets through, then we actually have a very strong group. I think all of us have learned in the couple weeks past that Iran has some really talented players. So they're no cakewalk. We know that Wales has some very good players. They're no cakewalk either. We played into a nil-nil draw last year, and then England will always be England. So it's a really good chance to sort of give our young players a test of international soccer and see where they're at you know I, I think that we can get out of the group I think it'll be difficult but this is one of those groups you just never know what's going to happen because you could end up with three wins three losses or three draws or somewhere in between and I'm just really cool really excited to see how we do Manny where are you at I think this is going to be a fun draw to be honest with you guys uh you know, I don't really know much about the Iran team, but from all, you know, all reports and all things that people said about them, that they're, you know, they're not a team to be overlooked, um, especially by the results during qualifying and getting the certain results against, you know, some quality opponents. So definitely, definitely excited about that. Um, it's always, it's always fun drawing England in the group because, you know, it's, it's always that country rivalry, right? England, USA, um, and I, I think it's going to be even more intense now because I think there's going to be an exodus of players, well, not an exodus, but an entering of more U.S. players um, going to the, the Premier League. We already saw that uh, Matt Turner is going to be heading to Arsenal. You have uh, you know Tyler Adams potentially going to the Premier League. You know, Weston McKinney potentially, uh, and Brendan Harrison. So I, I think it's going to, you know, just add even more uh, intensity <laughs> uh, to, you know, the the, the match. Um, and then, you know, we, we have a, a random, well, not a random, but like, uh, you know, just, uh, uh, you know, it could be either from Ukraine, Wales, um, and what's the other one? What's the other team? What, uh, Scotland. Scotland. Um, and so I just think that the, you know, the excitement from that, I think it's going to be a fun group. So yeah. I, I'm excited. I'm definitely excited to see what we'll see, what, uh, what, what will happen. Definitely. But there's so many storylines. I mean, the 2010 World Cup with England and the U.S. where the infamous newspaper and uh, England was saying that the group was easy in the end, the U.S. topped that group off a of Rob Green Haller and some goal difference magic. Uh, 1998 saw one of the matches in the World Cup between Iran and the U.S. where the U.S. lost that game. And the U.S. has never beaten Iran in an official competition. So just so many storylines, just not just between soccer, but the political histories. I mean, being a colony of England, 
and then Iran and everything that runs deep within the U.S. and Iran as well. I think the interesting thing will be that no matter which team qualifies from the European playoff, every single team will be looking forward to that game against England and they will be going all out. I actually think like England should win this group and I do think they will, but it will not be easy for them because every single team will be circling that on their calendar and gunning a thousand percent at that England game. Yeah. That's why I want Scotland to get at, get through this group and make it to the world, make it to the world cup because a Scotland team playing England on the last match day it doesn't matter if they're eliminated. It doesn't matter if they're negative 20 in goal differential by that point. They will have England circled. They will want to beat England. That will be a successful tournament for them. It's just winning that match against England. And I want that pressure on England in the last match day. Yeah. So, Tom, you're thinking that Scotland is your preferred European playoff opponent? I think so. Yeah. Especially given, I think they're a little bit weaker than the other two teams just on average. Plus, they have such bad blood with England. And I think that that's something that I value a lot out of this playoff spot because I just want someone putting pressure on England in the last match day. We get Iran on the last match day. They get the playoff winner. So that playoff winner is going to do a play a huge part in whether or not we get out of the group or not. Yeah, it'll be really tough if it's Ukraine. Uh, I mean, we don't even know if they'll be able to play their qualifier, quite honestly. I think they have the potential match set up for June 1st and then the final playoff on June 5th. But I mean, that date is coming up quickly and we don't necessarily know if Ukraine will be able to play that match. I feel like in a sense, I don't necessarily want Ukraine to qualify because that puts a a really good story into the World Cup. So obviously I want them to be there for the story, for the country and everything that's happened against them. But at the same time, like as a U.S. fan, I have to be rooting for the U.S. to get out of that group. And I, if I think England is going to be that number one team in my in my heart, I do kind of want to see Ukraine qualify and get out of the group just for the story alone and to have something to feel good about for that country. But Manny, do you have a preferred Euro playoff winner? Probably Ukraine. Honestly, I, I um, even before you know, the war and everything, uh, I kind of wanted them. So I, I don't know, I guess now with everything that, that's, that's, you know, transpired, I, I think, um, I think that's probably the opponent that I want the most. Um, and, and sure, you know, there'll, there'll be emotions running high, I think. And, you know, they'll be running, you know, with, with, uh, you know, with a different type of energy, um, but I do think that they're a team that we, we could potentially exploit. Um, so I, I, Ukraine probably is the, the, the nation I would want the most out of those yeah. three. Anything else to say on the World Cup draw? I, I think that the goal is to get out of the group. I think anything past that is sort of gravy at this point for this team, but it will be a very good test to, to see if we can do that. I, this is... I am very excited about that. And, you know, I think CONCACAF as a whole is going to get tested in a crazy big way, and we'll see where we stack up against other regions. And that's really what the World Cup's all about. It's a party where you hope to sort of see where you compare to everyone else. Yeah, well said. All right, let's move on to Zach Steffen and the FA Cup semifinal that just occurred a few minutes ago, ended up Liverpool winning the match 3-2. to 
Manchester City tried to make it interesting in that second half, but by the end of the first 45 minutes, uh, Man City was down already 3-0. And you can say that all three of those goals, Zach Steffen could have done better on, but especially that second one, Zach Steffen got a caught under his feet, didn't make a decision quick enough, and Mane attacked the ball and took it from Zach Steffen, put it in the back of the net. So it's been reported that he may be looking for a loan this summer to get more playing time. I think we can say pretty honestly that watching that game is the reason why goalkeepers need playing time consistently. Guys, just before we even talk about what a good destination would be for Zach Steffen, I think we need to talk about this game and where he falls into the U.S. depth chart. After his three performances that weren't that great in the final qualifying matches, is Matt Turner starting to look a bit more like the number one for the U.S.? He is to me. I mean, Zach Steffen is proving to be good for at least one boneheaded moment a game, and that has cost us goals. It's cost us points in World Cup qualifying. Now it's costing Man City matches. He goes walkabout way too easily and doesn't get to the ball. He doesn't seem to trust his back line. And even playing the ball out of, out of the back, he just, you know, he made a mistake today with it. He's never looked super sharp to me with it, even though he's a better passer than any of the rest of our goalkeepers. So I think the job is open for the taking, whether that's Turner going to Arsenal and sort of taking it away, whether that's Horvath becoming the number one somewhere and taking it away. We need a goalkeeper playing regularly. We don't have one. And so, yeah, it's really hard to know. But Stefan can't be doing this anymore and still be the national team keeper. Danny, do you agree? So it's kind of... You know, it's interesting how we have a problem in the front of the formation, and we and we're now we're looking like we're having a problem in the back of the formation. Right? I was actually going to ask <laughs> the next question of if it's more worrying that we have a goalkeeper issue or a number nine issue. Yeah, yeah, that's where I was uh, going with it. <laughs> but um, yeah, at this point, at this point, it's like whoever is riding on the high, you know, basically on, on the best form. That, that's who's going to play. Because at the end of the day, we need somebody to make good decisions and to stop shots from, from, from going in the back of the net. All this other stuff of playing out the back. Listen, us trying to implement a style for this national team, it's probably not going to, it's probably not going to actually happen with Berhalter. So we could just we could just go ahead and just get that 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 <laughs> idea out of our heads. It's not going to happen. So I guess the, the 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 best possible case scenario is that we actually get solid players in their positions. And so again, having a, a ball playing goalie goalie is is more of a luxury if you if you can actually play that that type of style, right? Again. The type of the type of football that we're playing and the type of identity that we're gonna have, we're probably not gonna have that. So the best case scenario is for us to have somebody who is a shot stopper. So whoever is doing the best at that at any given time in, a, in any given window, I think that's who should, you know, that's who should be between the sticks, whether that be Horvath, whether that be Stefan. Or it could be Slonina, who knows? But you know, whoever's doing doing it at that, you know, at the best, I want them to start. Yeah, very true. 
So if Zach Steffen is trying to get starts and playing time under his belt, where is a good loan destination for him in the summer? Maybe another Premier Premier League team. I I don't know. I think I'd rather see him leave England and go maybe try his luck somewhere else. He you know was fairly good for Germany in Germany with Dusseldorf, but that was a relegation team. I'm not sure it's the best to have our starting keepers on relegation teams. Be nice to sort of have them have a little bit more comfort than that, although he did face a lot of shots when he was at Dusseldorf. So there's something to be said for maybe a lower mid-table team, tier team in Germany. Maybe the same in Italy, but well, yeah. Here's the, well, here's the thing, Tom. Like, I'm not. I'm sorry to cut you off, but oh, you're good. I, Go for I, it. I think I, I think it's a problem when you're owned by the relegation team. Going on loan to a relegation team probably is a better opportunity because it, it means that you're probably going to get more of an opportunity to to play if you're if if you're clearly good enough to you know to to play in front of some guys, you're going to play and you're going to play a lot. So I think that was really the case. Um, when he went to Dusseldorf, uh, what was it, a couple seasons ago? Yeah. Yeah, and he before he had got hurt, he was he was starting every match and he was actually performing well. So, um, I don't I don't necessarily think that going on loan to now if you're owned by a relegation team like a like a lot of our you know a lot of our pool is, then that's, yeah, that's one thing. But if you're going on loan to a relegation team, I don't think that that's a, a bad idea. Cause you can always go back to your parent team and get loans to a different club next season. So I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a bad situation at all. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we might see Fulham come back up. They may need a keeper. I mean, any team that's kind of fighting that 15th to 20th position in the Premier League could be a good chance for him. But I I mean, he just signed an extension at Man City and I can't see Ederson leaving anytime soon or becoming the number two at Man City anytime soon. So I, I don't know if he's sharing an agent with Ethan Horvath or even Matt Turner. I mean, going to Arsenal, they they have two incredible keepers there. I know they're trying to get rid of Leno, but it's going to be difficult for those top three to get any type of playing time if they stay on the teams that they're at right now. Yeah, they he needs they Turner and Stefan need to be pushing for a loan. We cannot have people who are not playing. We need a goalkeeper who's playing at the world when it comes time for the World Cup. So both of them need to be pushing for a loan for at least the fall. And yeah, I don't know exactly where that should be, but it should be somewhere where we're going to get see them get minutes regularly against high quality competition. Yeah, definitely. All right. So if that's the goalkeeper position at the back of our formation, let's talk about the front of our formation. We have a number nine issue that has been talked to death, but I want to add another name, which is Haji Wright, who scored another goal added to his tally of 10 total goals for Antalya sport in Turkey as more goals than Kyle Laren. He's one of the only players under 25 in the Turkish league to have double-digit goals. There are a few other Americans as well in MLS that have started on a hot streak getting the on the score sheet. Is the number nine still up for grabs a few months out, even thinking about Ricardo Pepe, Jesus Ferreira, and all the uh, Jordan Bifak, Josh Sargent? I mean, when will we know who that number nine will be going into the World Cup? In my estimation, we're not going to go until November 20th. 
we're going to know at the last possible minute who our number nine is going to be. Berhalter said himself, the hot hand's going to play. And there are so many names that have to be in the conversation now. In addition to Haji Wright, who has done an excellent job of forcing the issue, we also have Brandon Vasquez, who's leading the MLS in scoring right now, along with Chicharito and Jesus Ferreira. So you've got some very good American names who are playing well and scoring who aren't traditionally people who we thought were going to be in the picture. In addition, Pepe's looked very good at Augsburg. He's averaging, well, he's got 0.5 goals, expected goals plus expected assists right now. He's going to get zeros off the score sheet at some point. PFOC continues to score, but not sure his style really translates to the national team. Then you've got players like Sargent who could also round into form. (laughs) This question is so open. We could spend hours debating the striker and never come up with a clear answer. I guess, Manny, does Haji Wright deserve a chance with the national team? Or how do we even go about implementing, like, trying new players when we're only six or seven months away from the biggest tournament that this team will play? Well, I I would think, you know, you, you're now out of qualifying. You've qualified for the World Cup. You, you have another tournament this summer. Plus, you have friendly. I would think the most opportune time is to, if you want to see some new players, you want to evaluate some new players, bring these players in the camp in the summer. That would be my, my best bet. Now, who's going to get the call this summer of new guys? That I don't know. And I don't know. And, and honestly, I don't know what, what is going to be the size of the camp. I do also remember hearing that um, Greg wants to continue to play the, the main core group of guys so that they can get continuity into into the system, right? So I don't honestly don't know what that means for the, the rest of the guys outside of the bubble looking in, but hopefully the Federation realizes that there there's a lot more out there in the pool and to get these guys in just to, you know, just to see if they can, you know, if they can translate at the international level. Because if so, we can we can definitely use these guys. Um, as far as Haji's right is concerned, um, you know he's had an interesting career, right? You go from being scouted by Dortmund to your your uh, compatriot getting getting that Dortmund deal. You go to the arch rival, not really panning out at the arch rival. Go to you go to Holland, you know, you weren't really lighting it up there. Then you go to Denmark, and then you start to kind of put it together. You didn't like the situation with that team, so then you go to Turkey and, and, and sort of, a, you know, and sort of a kind of lateral move. And so now you're kind of doing the same. Um, yes, no, like, I, I don't really know what to make of that. So I guess, like I said, like if we're going to try out new players, might as well be in a in a window where we're we're not really, you know, nothing's really at stake. I mean, I, I guess you could say Nations League is something at stake, but I mean, I feel like with the World Cup looming in about six more months after that, you would think that you your priorities more so towards that. So yeah, yeah. It has to be yeah. said as well. Around the Nations League games, we'll have exhibitions. It looks like Uruguay is going to be coming to the U.S. to play an exhibition game. So even though the Nations League does matter, but maybe for us it's more about getting new players ingrained and having our core group get time together, 
there's some other time with those exhibition games where maybe we do uh, try out a number nine. I do think it has to be said as well that Kyle Lahren was a locked-in starter for Canada who topped the CONCACAF qualifying group, and Haji Wright is outscoring him in the same league for a worse team. So again, it might be stylistic differences with the U.S. and how we play. It might be chemistry with just getting in the team, but I think talent-wise and, and just scoring in the same league for a worse team than someone else that was playing for the team that topped the CONCACAF qualifying list, there is something there. Like Haji Wright, I think, has demanded at least his name be part of the conversation. He's, he's clearly put it together. I mean, he had three professional goals to his name before going to Denmark, and he's got 25 since moving to Denmark. He's clearly starting to put it together in a big way. He's He was always talented. It was just a matter of could his big physical style translate to a professional level, and he's sort of finally starting to put that together. So, you know, in the interest of fairness, players like Brandon Vasquez, players like Haji Wright deserve a look. I don't know if that look comes before the World Cup or after the World Cup when we start to sort of rotate the squad and reintegrate. But in the interest of fairness, there's a list of players that's still getting longer that hasn't been called up yet that deserves a better chance with the team. That's fair. I mean, it has to be said as well that Haji Wright is still 23. I feel like U.S. fans really skew towards viewing our younger players as very experienced. But in 2026, Haji Wright is going to be 27 or 28, which is essentially at the peak of most attackers' careers. How old is Brandon Vasquez? Is he also 24? 23? Is he, is he 24? He's 23 or 24, I think. I'll look that up. So I'm looking at all these guys on these Bot Moms. <laughs> yeah, still time for all these players. All right, maybe let's transition then to talk about the MLS Domestic League. Yeah, okay. Brandon Vasquez, 23. Our Domestic League has started up again. Most teams have played four or five games at this point. The Philadelphia Union are the only team left that are currently undefeated. And they're doing it with a mix of homegrown players and smart transfers. Are they now the premier club in MLS on the pitch and in the boardroom? Manny, I know you are, are watching fervently the Chicago team this year and some of the other MLS teams. What are your thoughts on the Philadelphia Union and their kind of ascendance among the MLS ranks? Um, I mean, it, it's, it's clear that they're one of the, the premier organizations in, in the league. Um, do I like the fact that their, their, their young midfield trio has played small minutes this, this early season? No. Um, I'm not happy about that, but they're, you know, the, the, the club is looking for results and they're, they're getting results. And so in that aspect, I, I even though it, it upsets me as a potential, you know, U, U.S. MNT fan, from their perspective, you know, it's it's doing, you know, it's giving what it's supposed to give. So, um, yeah, they're, they're really the, the, the cut you know, above all right now. And so, you know, it's, it's very, it's very interesting to see. Tom, how are you feeling about the union? I think that the smart transfer strategy is sort of proving to be the way that MLS teams are going. I mean, seeing LA teams not make the playoffs last year, Atlanta struggling with their sort of high value transfer fees sort of shows you that paying big money doesn't always work out in MLS and can actively hinder you. I'm not super willing to give the union the sort of premier club in MLS tag yet. Get back to me in a couple months. I think there's a huge caveat that we're still in CONCACAF Champions League. We've still had 
you know, the teams who were really good last year having to rotate squads and having to sort of focus on that for the first month of the season. There's also a huge Seattle Sounders caveat where the Sounders are never good until July. And after July, they go on these huge runs and end up winning the league. So I, I'm really not willing to discount the Sounders yet. I think that you can't count them out ever until at least August. And so, yeah, get back to me in a few months and maybe we'll talk about the union being the club. But the Sounders are doing the same thing. They have that smart homegrown strategy. Obed Vargas has been amazing for them this year. They bring in great transfers. Jao Paulo was a bargain deal for them. He's been excellent in MLS. So they, they have sort of a similar model, and it's proving to be the model that works in MLS best right now. Can we just talk about Obed Vargas for a second? And that'll be our transition to the Seattle Sounders. But we did an episode, I think it was the three of us actually, a few months ago about the young players to watch in MLS. And we, we were talking about like 16 and 17 year olds that might get 300 minutes in MLS altogether or, or in the league or Open Cup. Obed Vargas, I think, is over like four or 500 minutes already, all told. And it's seven games in, six games in. I yeah. mean, how, how good is this kid? Do we, do we, like, offer him a Nations League spot? Like, <laughs> He's a Tyler Adams regen for all you FIFA fans out there, football manager fans. He's fantastic. I love watching him play. Seattle sort of protects him really well, too. They stick him in a double pivot with Jao Paulo, who's probably MLS MVP candidate every single year right now. He's fantastic. So he's in a really good situation. He's a great player. It's only a matter of time before he get, either gets a call-up or gets to Europe. And I'm not really sure which one is going to happen first, but I'm excited. Yeah. And Manny, I know you track a lot of the talented youth in the U.S. system. Is Obed Vargas the premier name? I'm going to stop using premier as a word. <laughs> is Obed Vargas the best name in that 16-year-old spot? Or is there someone else that we need to be paying attention to? So do you, he, would, what, he, he would be in this U20 cycle. And as I'm talking right now, it looks like P. Falk has scored another goal, so nice. Um, <laughs> he, he came too late for the number nine conversation. <laughs> very, very atypical. But um, so he would be in that that U twenty uh, cycle. He's not a in in my opinion. He's not the premier uh, midfielder, but. I do think that he he will play his way. He will find a way to play his way on this this U twenty roster for the summer. I think they have uh, the U twenty championships this summer, so I do think I, I do think he will make his way on the roster. Now, whether he starts or not, I don't know. But from all indications, you know, Seattle rates him highly. Um, I think honestly, I think. You know they they have uh, Daniel Leva there. I think he's better. He's already better than Daniel Leva, um, and Daniel Leva's going to supposedly be the starter, the six for the U twenty team. So, but I already think he's already better than than um, than Leva right now. So yeah, yeah. One interesting player though. I mean, dual national. His parents are of Mexican descent. He was born in Anchorage, oh. Alaska. <laughs> So we, I, I think even in that episode, we were talking about how we need more Alaskans or we should play qualifiers in Alaska. So we, we have spoken it into the universe and manifested Obed Vargas to come in and maybe play. For you know what? Country. That nor that Northwest area has been recruiting heavily in Alaska. And 
it's just very interesting to see. I think uh, the Tempers also have like a tall, like a they found like a really tall goalkeeper in in Alaska too. So it's just <laughs> yeah, I think it, I think it's just one of those states that you just probably wouldn't assume has yeah you know has you know talent, but. All right, so on that same team, again, in, in MLS, in the league, they've started with a 2-1-2 and record, but they have blown their way through the CONCACAF Champions League, and they now stand in the final against Pumas, which is a Mexican team. MLS has never had a winner of the CONCACAF Champions League in its current format, where they send the CONCACAF Champions League winner to the Club World Cup that has almost always been a Mexican team. The Montreal Impact were the closest four or five years ago to get to that final and almost win. But Seattle Sounders are probably a much better team, it has to be said, than that Montreal Impact team that made it to the final. And they also have something that we don't see a ton in CONCACAF Champions League when we're comparing MLS teams and Mexican teams, which is the depth in positions that matter. Can the Seattle Sounders be the first MLS team to win the CONCACAF Champions League? We've said it a billion times that we could see it happen. I, I don't know. I think it's better now than it was when we waited six months to play this final. LAFC was in the final last year. They couldn't get it done. They honestly should have gotten it done. Um, I think the Sounders team is way better than that LAFC team. So I think that they, they have a chance. And I, I'm never going to count out the Sounders. Right now, they're just the premier. They're a premier team in MLS. They have f- fantastic talent all over the field. So they, they will not be down and out in that game. I'm excited to see how it plays out. And I, I want to see an MLS team win. Until we've seen it, it's going to be sort of, you know, cheer for the MLS team every single year, no matter who they are, just so we can break through and say we've won one. Yeah. Manny, what do you expect from this final? I, I, I want the MLS team to win. Because, <laughs> I mean, Pumas, Pumas is in 12th place in the Mexican league they played 13 games and have 16 points i mean this seems like a reasonable two-way tie where seattle has a a relatively good chance a better chance than we've historically had i wish that we could use the you know the their team's you know current domestic place in in their you know their, their current form i wish we could use that as a you know as a what's the word i'm trying to use a measuring stick or indicator of what we should expect, but this this crazy game of soccer, <laughs> you, you know, Pumas could just come out, you know, guns a blazing. You know, we, we've seen it countless of times in, in so many different games where you just don't expect an opponent to, you know, to to perform, and then they perform out of their mind. So hopefully I, I, I do agree with both of you guys. I do think that this Seattle team is probably, probably has the best chance of, of, of doing what has not been done in this current format. Um, so I'm just, I'm just, um, I'm just ready to, 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 to see, see this match what matches. I, I keep mm. forget. I keep forgetting because you know. Yeah. I, think, I think it's like your European no. Champions League final, where it's only one, one leg. <laughs> yeah. Uh, two. Yeah. So I'm, I'm ready to you know to see these matches and and to see if uh, the Sounders can get it done. 
Yeah. Uh, I think Manny makes a good point, though, that the form in Liga Emeki makes no difference in CONCACAF Champions League. It never has. Regularly, we see teams in the bottom half of the Apertura or the Clausura end up winning CONCACAF Champions League because they just get hot and they win these games. It doesn't really seem to carry over at all. And Liga Emeki is just so deep and so talented that it's so hard to do well there. Those bottom of the table teams are still really good. Hard to discount them. Also, they get a home game in Mexico City. That's a huge deal in a tie like this. Yeah, we've talked about that ad nauseum on this podcast, so I won't go into it in too much detail. But yeah, having a game in Mexico City is always an advantage when you play in a tie like this. If you know, you know. (laughs) (laughs) That's quite a long travel as well from Mexico City to Seattle and, and vice versa, but. Tom, you mentioned we'd be rooting for an MLS team until they win it. I don't think we're just rooting for them just because it's what comes with the trophy. And that's a place at the FIFA Club World Cup where you can play the other Champions League winners across the globe. How important is it that we get an MLS team playing in the Club World Cup? I think it's huge. You know, you start to sort of get that respect of Europe a little bit more when you get to play the Copa Libertadores winner, when you get to play the Champions League winner, you start, if you can win a game or two and sort of make a final, you're in really good shape. And that would be a huge deal for MLS to sort of get rid of that sort of stigma that's against them. I don't think it'll be perfect. You know, Europeans are always going to try and do anything they can to discount MLS, but it would be a good first step to sort of changing the narrative in Europe about what the league is about. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, that is it for our episode. Let's do some last words. Uh, Up first, Tom, congrats on choosing Penn state. What's your last word today? Last word is just today's the last word is all about relaxation. You know, this has been, I've been sort of putting the pedal to the metal for the last two months now, and I finally get a little bit of time to enjoy it. You'll catch me at a lot of soccer games over the next couple months enjoying just this time off. And I'm glad that I got through it. Glad to be back talking with you guys and just ready for a break. (laughs) Manny, how about you? What's your last word? Um, That's a good question. I'm honestly, usually I have like, you want me to go? Go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) My last word is easy. It's like this video so more people can find it. Subscribe to the channel for more USMNT content. And if you are listening on any podcast, wherever you get your podcast, make sure to give us a five-star review as that is huge for the ratings and how podcast networks branch out and show more people these episodes. So thanks so much, everyone, for watching right now. Like, subscribe, and we're going to Manny for the last word. I'm not toxic. You're toxic. (laughs) (laughs) If you need need some backstory to why I say that, look at my tweets from earlier. Rampage Bobby, everyone can find you. Rampage Bobby on Twitter. You know the the vibes. All right. That's how we're sending out. Peace, everybody. Peace. (laughs) See you guys. And thanks so much to our sponsor for today's video, Bet Online.